When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola, mi gente. We are Spanish Aki Presents. We have Raisa, Oscar, Tony, and Carlitos is out shooting the reboot of Sex in the City. Okay. Oh, I was waiting. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, oh you my guys God. know he's replacing, he's replacing Samantha. Samantha. That's what oh, I heard. Oh, he is. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yes, but yes, they're yes. not going to say anything. They're just, they're not going to. No, gonna... he is playing Samantha. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's just going to yeah, play yeah. Samantha. They're not going to comment on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all remember... The weird, this was a very short-lived show, a blip in the cultural radar, but it was a, I want to say a legit copy of Sex and City. It was called Lipstick Jungle. Oh. Oh, yeah. With Brooke Shields. Oh, my God. Lucy yeah. Liu was in it, I wow. think. Wow. But it was, it was like on a like, network, right? It was on a network. It was network trying to do yeah. what HBO yeah. was doing. You can't I, do that That was on so. But it's so funny how, like, there's you see a show that's like, oh my god, it's doing well. Let's have a copycat show of it. But it's like the part that right, Sex and the City did really well because it was on HBO. They talked about yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing though that like made it. That's the thing. HBO's like always been so like raw and like fresh with that like kind of stuff. Like where like they just yeah they, they show butts. Right. Yeah, well, but yeah, but like you can't like really <laughs> you can't even say like certain things. I think like on like network television which i get it because it's network and you know like your kid could be watching it or whatever i don't know right. i feel like that's why um but yeah do you remember carrie diaries they did of course which, i remember carrie oh, diaries God. that was on the cw oh. i watched it i watched you that did? did you like yeah it? um you know it honestly it wasn't terrible i don't think so i don't really remember it that much i think it's hard when you do like the pre of something mm-hmm. and you kind of like change you just decide to change and make choices for this character where like if i was carrie bradshaw i'd be like wait my mom didn't die or whatever that i don't know i think they like kill the mom in it or okay, something spoilers like- much wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you didn't know i might have i might have watched wanted to watch the carrie diaries eventually I, por favor, por <laughs> but wait what the premise of the carrie diaries is is Before. carrie and samantha being friends yeah I honestly don't even remember. I don't even remember. I don't think I don't see. Yeah, (laughs) that's it didn't. It only was like one season. I remember the actress. She was really cute and she was really good, like in the role. Like I definitely did believe she could have been like baby like SJP. Uh But and like the outfits were cute. But I don't I'm like, I honestly it was a while ago. I don't really remember. I feel like it was like four or five years ago. I can't remember what I did last week. I can't remember what I did. A little industry secret. Oh, okay. She goes by SJ, not SJP. I bueno for she me. Goes by SJP. SJ. SJ. I used Why? to work in advertising, and we we did Lancome and L'Oreal, and she was the face of that campaign for a while, um, in the late nineties. Tony, I was very, I was like a child. The, uh, Miranda Priestley of advertising. <laughs> right now, oh, she's giving me a Miranda Priestley character. God. 
Yes. I love how this is the second time we've tried to we, put Miranda yeah. Priestly in the Sex and the City universe. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It, it yeah. makes sense to me. It I totally mean, makes why, sense why to me. It wouldn't totally, be yeah. There should yeah. be a Devil Wears Prada Sex and the City crossover. Maybe that's okay, maybe that's wait. the third <gasps> movie. Maybe that's what Carlos is working on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Before we even get into the Pika, what about the craziest thing of how Anne Hathaway was the ninth choice for Devil yeah. Wears Prada? That was the wildest thing I had heard in a long time. Because I was And just where'd like, you hear no. it? RuPaul's Drag Race? I guess I don't know. I oh. just saw it on a video. Duh. <laughs> Is that where she said it? <laughs> I guess I'm just realizing it's surely that's not the only place she said it. I just realized that. <laughs> <laughs> surely. Don't she, Tony's like, don't you get all your news from RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> 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 oh I'm dead. I'm the New York dead. Times, the Washington oh. Post, and RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah, seems, 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 yeah, I get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, hysterical. <sighs> Okay. Anyway, so shout out to Lipstick Jungle, Carrie Diaries, <laughs> and all the shows that uh, came. And Anne Hathaway. Uh, and I Anne Hathaway, her. of course. Anne I Hathaway. fucking love her so much. Um, why do you love her? Uh, you know, because um, she's very polarizing. She is. I have a theory about why. After you answer for yourself. I, I don't know. I just <laughs> um. I just think she's. I one thing she's a great actress since she was younger. I liked all her movies. I think she's. I mean, Devil Wears Prada obviously was a. It's a movie that I've watched so many times, and you know, it's like you know they try to like put her as like the like bad person in so many situations of the movie that like I watch it again and again. I'm like, no, he was the fucking boyfriend. Fuck him and fucking the friends. They were so. I don't know. I was just like. I was like. It went like. I always think back to that scene with the phone where they. And like. I'm just like. If any of my friends did that to me with my phone when it was like my fucking boss. That like. What not that scared of. But like. It's just my boss. Like. How fucking dare you? Like. I would literally have slapped their faces in that fucking bar because. Mm. I mean. No me toca el teléfono, coño. But also. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. I don't know. I like her. I don't know what it is. She. I, she's. She just seems like chill i also know other stuff like from people that have worked with her where she's very like normal and doesn't act like a fucking diva from mm -hmm. a lot of people i've heard that at least on my end so go mm -hmm. ahead you can say yours i she's like a musical theater nerd to the oh. max and i think she's like has her heart on her sleeve kind of person and she loves what she does she yeah. feels so happy to be able to do it and i think that you see yourself similarly i think you like you don't hold back you put yourself into everything you're doing and maybe you're a Latina Anne Hathaway. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Except for the musical theater part. <laughs> yeah, because you know a bitch can't sing. <laughs> or, <laughs> like, <laughs> also, though, she's, like, very, like, I, not very, but at least politically active with, like, LGBTQ stuff. She seems very much, yeah. like, she seems like a caring person. And then so are you, I would say. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Thank so you. Sweet. Oh, I love it. Okay. Shout Anne out Hathaway's to Anne Hathaway. People. Damn, yeah. we're really shouting... Shout wow. out all of Hollywood Mira. today, huh? Yeah. yeah, hit me, hit me up. We'll do a, a, a like Latina duo. I'll be the Latina and she won't be. Okay, next. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I I got distracted because I heard an alarm as I was saying, I was like, what the fuck is that noise? I was like, I need to finish my sentence. I guys, I have ADHD. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, <laughs> let's get into this pika because I feel like we're never gonna get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So Just switching gears. Oh, I was gonna say, stop. What's the deal with Miranda Priestley? No, anyway, um, I was gonna say, so, that's all. <laughs> is that Tony. a Miranda Priestley quote? 
That's all about that we're going to talk. Oh, never mind. <laughs> no, go, go, Oscar. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen the Devil Wars Prada. Anyway, so I wanted what? to. Wait, bring... hold on. How the fuck are you going to say that and then try to start the fucking beacon? Is that like you... a, a phenomenon? Like, it's not that big a deal. I'm going to Meryl... say this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. Okay. This is, Slow down, this Meryl Streep. Meryl, Meryl Streep's best. Roll ever. Incorrect. Okay. Incorrect. Oh, whatever. I'm sorry. Incorrect. Whatever. Drag. Drag me, motherfucker. No, no, This no, is no, her no, best no. role ever. How many have you seen? A lot. I've and seen this it is her I've best. seen No, I don't mean Oscar. I mean Liza for saying that this is the best one. Oh, A lot. Okay. A lot. I've gone down that IMDb list. And let me tell you, Devil Wears Prada, Meryl, you are a star. She's a star. Is that her best? You think that's her, her yeah. best? That's my favorite. <laughs> I mean, that's two different, I know that's different Oscar for it. So. I know that that's two different things. I know. But for me, my favorite becomes the best. Like, that's how I see it. Uh, okay. So oh, it's your favorite Meryl Streep role. <laughs> okay. What is what is the best Meryl Streep role, Tony? I'm tr- You've I seen actually, a lot I'm, of her movies. You know what? This is very underrated. And I don't think anyone would say this. <gasps> At least top three. The Bridges of Madison County. Okay. Okay. Very like understated. Okay. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not that in everything. <laughs> She's not brilliant in any. Really? We should start a podcast about this. Anyway, her best performance no. was in Ricky and the Flesh. Uh anyway, right to wow. our go, go, right go into to the our Pika. Of course I'm kidding. Um anyway, so we're talking about art. Talking about art and art's responsibility. Mm-hmm. And how ourselves are integrated into our art. And I was just thinking, very stream of consciousness the other day. Actually, I was watching. So, okay, my favorite artist, one of my favorite artists of all time is Andres Serrano, who is a uh, an artist who's, who was famous for making a work of art called Piss Christ. I don't know if you're familiar hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Long time ago, right? Um, he essentially took a crucifix of Jesus Christ and encased it in a jar of urine, like urine, and took a picture of it. And it's this like weirdly serene and beautiful image. It's, I'm going to say, my favorite piece of art. Mm. Uh, and I love him as an artist. And he is a uh, Afro-Latino um, artist from... Mm. Uh, and and I was just thinking, like, would I consider his art to be Latinx art because he is Latinx? Or does that piece stand on its own? So I guess my pika is, is our art tied to us in the way that it's perceived in the world? Or can we separate the art as its own child devoid of who we are, our identities and what we do? If that makes any sense. Yes, well, I is, think. Oh, go, Tony. I'm like, this is the intense question. As a point of I know, comparison, I know. not to bring her right back into this conversation, but let's say. <laughs> Anna or Meryl Streep. When we goodness. talk about their art, are we are we saying as a cis white woman? Mm-hmm. bringing bringing Miranda Priestley to life. Or if she was Latina, let's say, I'm going to say this, Salma Hayek in the role. Yeah. We exactly. would be talking, 
Exactly. We've seen, and we've seen we've seen Selma Hayek in that role. She plays um, I, isn't right. it in um in a what's that fucking that's what's that movie with uh, Tiffany right Haddish? Before, yeah, it came out right? right before the pandemic. What was it called? Yeah. The, oh, oh fuck, I forget. But I it's a movie remember. with Tiffany Haddish and Selma Hayek is like a boss, and her and fucking somebody <gasps> oh, else. Yes. Oh, isn't it um um Rose from Bridesmaids? What's her name? That's Rose, right. Uh, uh, Bri- Rose. Oh my god! Fuck you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> IMDb, the one, the, IMDb, IMDb, Burn, whatever. Burn, yes, yes. We yes. worked with her at James Corden. We, we did the Lion did, King yes. musical. A close okay. friend of Tony and yes. ours. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. okay. Well, anyways, in I that call her Rosie. Some... That's why I'm like, who? <laughs> oh, duh. Uh, like a boss. Yes, exactly. Like that a movie. Boss, Thank you. Like Thank you, producer Anita, for googling. But yeah, Sama Hayek actually does play almost like her own version of that. You're right. You're yeah. right. So inter- interesting you said her. But sorry, so go on. It's, so in that case, for example, let's take the Meryl Streep, Salma Hayek <sighs> dichotomy, right? Okay. Is Salma Hayek's portrayal of that character seen as Latina despite her... I mean, even though she is Latina, can we separate that character as someone who's Latinx but not a byproduct of the artist who is Latinx? If that makes any sense i don't i don't think so i don't i don't think so because we're consuming it's almost like if you're not cishet white in america at least mm-hmm. that's the lens of other is it's always there i mean yeah. if, it, if we're watching right. if we're talking about like foreign films let's say that that wouldn't exist as much i would think mm-hmm. um right like, for example, like the hypothetical that I'm going to give, I'm going to put Riza in this example, okay? Oh my God, go. So, Riza is Latina, yes. Cuban from Miami, yes. right? Yes. And she writes a book, a novel about a girl okay. who comes up uh, like a rags to riches story, let's say, hypothetically. Not once mm-hmm. did Riza include her ethnicity, her gender necessarily. It's just like a story that is told. Now, in the way that we consume it, does the consumer identify because Riza is so vocal about being Cuana, Latina, then put the lens of that into the character that she made into that book? And then is Riza a Latina writer for Latinas or is she a writer hmm. for a wide okay. for a wide audience? So as Riza. Um, mm-hmm. who wrote this book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Thoughts about the book that you wrote, right? Thanks yes, for coming yes, to talk also, about it here. Oh my God, you're welcome. Also, uh, buy it wherever they're uh, selling books. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> there! There! Whoever's selling books, yeah, just buy it from them. <laughs> um, okay, so now I feel like I kind of get it. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, no. No, but, please. Yeah. Um, I think that and this is not my personal like i don't i don't think i do that as much but i feel like that is done to people like me how you literally describe me like i think like mm-hmm. it's 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 something that i talk about even with acting because yeah. it's like you know like i might go in for whatever role it is, and might you guys, you guys know I'm not shy. You know I'm, you know I'm like the opposite of like the shy, like little, like nice, sweet, whatever, like breakdown that would they would put that. I'm I I could still go in and play that, but if you know me right. and you're a writer in the room, or if you're, you know, yeah, like obviously we're actors and we can play different roles. Like being shy and not shy are two fucking different things that anybody exactly. can play, whether they're any of those things. But I think like immediately 
people will put that in their head. Oh, no, but Raisa literally, like, she posted this thing the other day and, like, she was all fucking, like, wild and shit. Like, and she's playing this little, like, nerdy, sweet, quiet girl that says one word in the whole scene. So I think that that is, that is definitely put on us. Have I done that before when I've read or watched something? 100%. Mm. But I think that, like, it's something where, like, when I do see, like, certain breakdowns and I'm like, oh, I know I'm going in for this. It's because it's very much my type. It's very Raisa, Mm -hmm. right? But I'm like, I wonder if like everybody that is going in for that is doing that. And I know that like a lot of times that's why we we get asked to do certain things because that's how people like everybody just has that like that filter in -hmm. front of us is how I see it. But I think like if you're saying like a book, it is a little harder if you don't know the author. If it's a brand new author, unless you like Mm -hmm. see that the name sounds Latina or whatever, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. that is, or you have them on social media or things like that, because we do live in a world where you know, we can find out so many things about so many people and immediately you have that in the back of your head, right? So it's like when you're watching things or reading things or like even me, like when I watch like a, like a sport, if I know that this guy like, you know, is a creep or like there's somebody like playing that, you know, got called out for something for being racist or whatever it is, like right. I, it's so hard to not think about that. Even when he's like doing his after his interview after the game, I'm like, oh, like fuck this guy. <laughs> like it's even though like I'm like he played really good or whatever that is, like I always... Think so the perception of, clings despite. Yeah, mm, I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I feel like that. I mean, I would I wish it didn't in more things like how I was talking about, like, you know, like the book or like mm-hmm. like a role or something like that. Obviously, when it's something like, you know, like <laughs> like assault or like sure, like sure. racist I mean, or something yeah, like that. That's like I'm kind of happy that I still remember. Right, then like yeah. I might be like, oh, my God, great three. And then I'm like, wait, no, fuck that guy. He right, fucking, right. you know. He, whatever they oh did, yeah no know. for sure <laughs> yeah I'm, I, I'm talking about like just like identity identity of self like so yeah. for example like if we were here's the thing it's like i'm sure that if you wrote a book riza like you want to be known or maybe maybe not maybe not maybe that's part of why mm. i'm struggling with this mm. is you write release a book and you're like yes i want to be known as a latina writer like that's what i want i guess i want to inject my character as latina but then what if you write something that isn't necessarily Latina based or dealing anything with being Latinx? Is that is that still unavoidable? Are people still going to be like, oh, yeah, this this Latinx character? And it's like, well, the work, the piece of art isn't necessarily that mm-hmm. I as an as an artist am that. But my piece of work isn't necessarily that. Mm-hmm. I mean, OK, so you said it like that. And yeah, I think that that's again, like and I, I bring it back to. like TV and movies and it's like you could be Latino and you could write a show and have two seasons of it Mm -hmm. and have maybe majority Latinos in it that doesn't mean it's a Latino show because it's like interesting yeah well do you do you watch okay here's my question do you guys watch Insecure and do you think oh this is a black people show oh I don't I don't I don't know right no right but interesting no you're right but but do you watch um, Fresh Off the Boat? And do you think, oh, this is an Asian show? Well, they did. They they very yeah, much deal with their uh, literally fresh out, fresh out of water, the fish out of water kind of. Yeah, but so does Insecure. Insecure deals with a lot of like black issues, mm-hmm. but I don't oh. watch it and think like that. So this is a really like now, like when I get into it like that, which I've been having a lot of these conversations with different people where I'm like, sure, yeah, Crazy Rich Asians was a movie with all mostly majority Asians, right? Right. And, Mm -hmm. but to me, 
I was just like, oh, this is just like a fucking rom-com. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like that, mm -hmm. that, I didn't think, like, I wasn't like, oh, this is an Asian people movie. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I'm really trying to break away from that because I, I think, I think that that is what continues to hinder BIPOC, yep. not even just people of color. It continues to hinder because when you have a show, you know, um, like uh, uh, like special. So what? Oh, it's only for special right. needs people. No, it's yeah. not. Or like you have a show about white people, like people that watch white people shows. That's literally what we had been watching for so many years. Yeah. Like all these white people. I wasn't like, oh, this is a, a show for white people. I feel mm-hmm. very strange watching this as a Latina. I mean, I and do I said, feel that way about Frasier, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being well, real. Yes. Sure, but there's a lot of people that are not white but and don't no, you're feel to- that way. I mean, you're totally right. That's the norm. The norm, yeah. the default is white. I mean, that's just the way it is. White yeah. cishet is the norm, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Tony, sorry. I'm yeah, like, Tony was... has his hand raised. Tony- <laughs> oh, I have my hand yeah. raised. I was like, what is the difference between seeing people of color and not, and and is is it, or are we seeing that color or is it just a story to us? Is yeah. it how much, <clears throat> how are the characters dealing with their identity? Is it yeah. as yeah. other? Versus insecure, it's just like navigating life, roman- romance, right. being yeah, awkward. But, but I think about Rami. I talk, I've talked about Rami yeah. so much on the podcast. And I, I, I love, like that show is so good. And it's, you know, I don't even know that much about being Muslim. But like I watched that show and I learned, sure, I learned about that. And I was educated on like other, you know, aspects of that world that I didn't know. But there's I'm watching this and like I related to the mom in a situation of like her episode of like the last season or like the the sisters episode and like, you know, being fetishized and like things like whatever that is like. And I was like, oh, like as a woman of color, I, I related to them. But I think like oh, another like a white woman can also watch this and relate to, you know, whatever that is with those characters, with those, you know, with, with just like what's happening in a relationship, like right. which is why why when I watch things or art or whatever, I try not to connect only because it's Latina, like like something Latina or Latinx, whatever. But I just try to like connect with it just because it's something I feel I connect with as a human, as a right. person. But I think mm-hmm. also the thing with Rami, Rami, Rami is Muslim and wrote and produced and starred in a Muslim piece of art. Does that make sense? Yes. We as consumers digested it differently because we are not Muslim. We We identify with the human condition, but we don't, necessarily identify with the Muslim stuff because it's not something that we're familiar with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not to say that that's wrong by any means. No, we're learning a lot more. We're educating our our scope of digestion has become much larger. But can we disassociate the artist to the art? Like, for example, a show I've been thinking about uh, this way because I just watched and this is not a show that I would ever watch because it's not really in my wheelhouse. But a friend recommended Love, Victor. Have you seen that show? Yes. So Love, Victor is sort of like, it's a spinoff of Love, Simon, which is about, it's like a sort of Disney-fied version of coming out, which I have my own issues with. So I was a little like, oh God, Mm -hmm. Love, Victor, I don't know if I want to watch this. And so I watched it because a friend recommended it to me, but also it had an incredible Latinx cast, right? Mm -hmm. And I was blown away by that show. I would recommend Love, Victor to anybody. It is really, really cool. But I think that was like the first instance where I was like, okay, I'm seeing a a pretty mostly Latinx cast living in a Latinx family Mm -hmm. um, and having like Spanglish being tossed around like very casually. And it didn't feel 
like it was trying to snare me in a Latinx net. You know what I mean? I was going to say, yeah. It, was it, like doesn't, beside, it doesn't throw it. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, and besides the fact, it's about this boy dealing with his identity. And I thought yes. that was like so weird. I've never, I've actually never really experienced something like that because I always digested it as the sort of like exterior facade first. And then I digested it as the media because yeah. I was like, oh, the artist is Latinx. So I'm going to enjoy it as a Latinx person. But in this one, it was not the case. Well, can I tell you, though, it was not marketed as a Latinx anything yes. strongly. Oh, my and God, that, Risa. That's, yes. what I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, so like Insecure was mm-hmm. not was not marketed as a black people show. Rami was not, you know, right, like it right. was that's it wasn't marketed like that. Whereas, you know, I'll say it like it's unfortunate, but sometimes our Latinx You're shows totally right. are marketed oh, towards just being a Latinx right. show. Yes. And I think that that I personally think that that fucks us over. Like, oh no, my God, I'm not, sort of like I'm, sort of like a gimmick even. Would you say? Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, because it's like, honestly, yeah. like, you know, we watch shows like, you know, like Vida, Hentified, One Day mm-hmm. at a Time. And I, oh yeah, sure, I'm Latina. So of course there's a lot of Latina shit that I'm like, oh my God, yes, I relate to. But at the same right. time, there's so much shit that like I don't relate to as a Latina, but I relate to like I don't know right. one of the guy one of the guys episodes because I'm like oh yeah like that's I feel that because when I was in school or whatever the fuck that is, but I think um that and I'm not gonna even touch on like their marketing, but I just think like there are certain shows that you do see sometimes and I or movies I think movies especially is a little bit yeah. more particular. Yeah, I would say books. Even I would add books to yeah, that list books. as well. Yeah, well they market it and it's like just because I mean it's great to know that it is somebody BIPOC that wrote. Acts, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, produced, directed, created, is acting, all these things. But at the same time, that's not the all like that's not how it should only be uh marketed. I think it just needs to be like this is a story about relationships. This is a story about a family. This is mm-hmm. a story about, you know, uh, you know, a cu- up and come uh what do you call it? The coming of age, whatever. Like, right. although like I just I, I think that. that that to me is why when I go into things, I try so hard, even if it was marketed as something specific, I 100% try to connect with it just being there and like the relationships and the chemistry and like the, like the storylines, the plot, whatever, rather than being like, oh my God, I'm watching this show. And it's like, I'm so cool because it's all Latinx people. And it's like, that's great. That makes me (laughs) feel great. I'll talk about it. Sometimes you do need that. Sometimes it's important. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I watch a bunch of like fucking like shows that are like, you know, uh, all like with majority white people on it. Mm-hmm. And I still relate to like maybe the main girl or the best friend or the brother right. or whoever that is. And, and I think that is that. Yeah, that's important. I'm like, but I kind of like also, this. Speak up. <laughs> but I but I also think that like it's it's about the artist's intention, don't you think? Like, yeah. I think when it comes to advertising and marketing, a lot of times it goes out of the hand of the artist. Like yeah. sometimes the artist doesn't have a say in the way that it's being sold to people to the consumers and that's really dangerous because i have you know i've seen some incredible shows that like are for me by me that i love and then there's shows for me by me that are sold in a way that i don't want to even deal with a little like yeah yeah you know i watch this you know like super like just (laughs) (laughs) that turns me off it does it when i will say that that turns me off exactly (laughs) but there's so much and i think specifically speaking the latinx market is very much gimmicky in that way that Mm -hmm. it feels sort of like inauthentic in in the marketing you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. and it might diminish a lot of the artist's intention 
where it wasn't that wasn't their intention in the first place, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's very yeah. tricky to navigate this world of art because it's like, you know, as an artist, you create stuff that you want. Whether your intention is to create art for your people or you want to create art for a wider audience, the way that it's being consumed is sort of out of your control. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I have a question. I have a question before because yeah. I know we're, you know, we got to go. We got to get some something to drink. I'm yeah. thirsty. But, okay, yeah, but yeah. I'll give you an example. What I've heard different. Pose. What type, what show would you say that is? Is do you think that's a black show? Do you think it's a Latinx show? Do you well, think it's oh my gosh? Oh, well, that you've just opened up another. <laughs> you just opened up yeah. another box of worms that I would love to spend I know. more time talking about. I know, um, I know. W- Tony, what did you say? I said above all queer. Okay, yeah. interesting. Oscar, um, I'm I I am very torn about that show. <laughs> I'm oh, very wow. torn about that show because it it does sort of put a spotlight on the incredible ball scene, the, a time capsule of that day. The talent mm-hmm. is out mm-hmm. of this world and the, the people that they got are incredible. However, I'm still torn. At, again, I think about not just the art, but the artist and the person who mm-hmm. created it is Ryan Murphy, who is a white cis man telling black stories you know and there's a little bit i bristle a little bit at that i'm not gonna lie just in the same way that and every every queer person loves this paris is burning is like an introduction Uh, to the gay scene introduction to the ball scene but it was directed by a white woman and a lot of the subjects in that documentary felt like they were being you know ostracized and 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 sold as a product you know so it's these like complicated feelings for another example that i'm going to say but sorry this again um this is entire is one of my favorite movies of all time the color purple it's incredible and it tells about the black experience but it's directed by steven spielberg Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so again it, it it's it's like it's just I'm just so torn about this kind of stuff. So to wrap just to another quick wrap it. I want you to know that Pose is 90 percent promoted and marketed as a Latinx show every time. What? It's really? <laughs> wow. That's funny. That's very funny. Just 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 so you guys know, I'm like and I, I love asking, you know, my two queer co-hosts because I'm like, I also identified with it more as LGBT, LGBTQI plus, like queer, uh-huh. like that. And, you know, I, I and then when I kept seeing it being advertised in the other way, I was like, oh, interesting. It is also Which, that. I know, right? but there's something to be said no, about yeah. honoring intersectionality. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. both of those things still exist, mm-hmm. but right? that's not the way marketing works. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah. I, I hate to sound uh, like a broken record, but again, in this capitalist society everything is boiled down to a lowest common denominator and that's just the way it is you know Mm -hmm. but art is a lot more complex than that and i think people's experiences are far more complex than that you can have a show that's lbgqia but and still be black still be latinx but in terms of marketing is like okay what's going to draw the biggest who do we focus our marketing on you know Mm -hmm. and so that's where things get really complicated so I don't know. I mean, a lot to think about. A lot to think about. We are thirsty. People listening, please let us know because this is very open-ended. You know, let us know your thoughts. If there's any shows that you feel complex emotions about, any pieces Mm -hmm. of art that you feel weird about, please let let me know because I'm interested. Yeah, and and also let me know if you'll buy my book. (laughs) 
That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I gotta find the person who sells it though. Like, yeah, I, at a bookstore. Like yeah. Buy, buy, buy my book wherever you listen to books. Okay. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Dribble, 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 slurp, slurp. We are back from our cafecito break. And you guys, I'm so excited for our guests. You know that I'm the the baller of the team. And anything that is even close to basketball just gets me so excited right now. And so we have, he is a writer, an editor, gamer, reader, NBA superfan. He's best known for his work at The Ringer creating and hosting an Emmy-winning award digital series, NBA Desktop, and co-hosting the popular podcast, Binge Mode, with Mallory Rubin. And now he has other podcasts, but you know what? I'm just going to let him talk about it because this, this motherfucker has way too many things on his list. All right, Jason Concepcion, what's up? <laughs> wow, what's up? wow Thank that's, you. A, it's that's a long resume. I know. I need to take like a water break Ooh. after the whole thing. Uh, I've been working hard. You know, it's... Uh, there's no retirement plan, so it's just basically try and get this money uh-huh. and work as hard as you can. My right, mom is right. my mom is pleased right now. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, uh, yeah. So excited. Uh, where you're in L.A. now, huh? Because you were yeah. in uh, New York. OK, cool. I've been in LA. I've been here for like four years. Um, oh, and okay. at this point, I'm I'm used to it. Like when it's 50 degrees, I'm. Like what is why is I know happening? isn't that yeah. so weird? Like yeah, I'm also from New York, and how quickly I acclimated to the weather here. I become so spoiled. Spoiled. It's like if it gets a little bit chilly, I'm like, oh no, it's too yeah. cold. Like what <laughs> am I? Remember yeah. the yeah. harsh ass winters of New York. Like, we survived through <laughs> some insane weather in New York. No. I was. I, I was home right before the pandemic. So it was like January, February um, just to visit my folks. And as soon as I got off the got off the plane and went to try and get a cab, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. 
this is what it was. <laughs> like it, it, the the weather, it just goes right to your bones and takes all the heat out. You become, I've become so soft to it. I just don't yeah. have any ability to to deal with it now. I it's I mean we're I'm from Miami and Tony too and he's been all over other places other hotter places too like Mexico all City over. <laughs> yeah all o- Tony <laughs> our blood thins like even when yes. we come from a colder climate and like yeah like my first year in LA where I see, saw people with scars I'm like please <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I have so many scars in a drawer that like I'm just I don't know when I wear them again um but. Speaking of cities, I'm like, I love that we just jumped into the weather. Uh, but speaking of cities, you are a Knicks fan, correct? Yes. that's a, Hardcore that's, uh, ride or die, New York Knicks fan. Oh, I'm nice. a hardcore ride or die Heat fan. I'm wearing my Wade jersey, my Miami mm-hmm. Vice Wade jersey that I showed you before. Um, and now we're in L.A., the city yes. of the champions, the fucking Lakers, yes. who I also like deeply love so much. So this this past like finals was like a wild, a wild, wild ride for me. Uh, my boyfriend's family is very hardcore Laker fans. And I had to sit there with a, <laughs> a, a really like acting face that I wasn't going to cry uh, when we were losing. So I wanted to see uh, how does it feel to be out here and see all the hardcore Laker fans? Because sometimes you go to certain cities and they're not oh, like yeah. that hardcore, you know, they're not fanatics. There's a real difference to it because like, f- uh, you know, when I was in New York, just anywhere but L.A., like the perception of the Lakers fans is like, they're all like rich and kind of like entitled and not, uh, <laughs> you know, not like uh, living and dying with the team all the time. And then you're out here and you're like, oh, they're like fans like everywhere else. Like they're, as yeah. you said, they're like ride or die Laker fans that are just all yeah. about it. Um, oh, yeah. And it's it's a lot different than just the perception you get from seeing the crowd at like Staples Center, which obviously skews towards the people who can afford to go to Staples yeah. Center and be in camera range of the cameras. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so like uh, you started making NBA shorts, like literally in a closet, correct? Is like, Oh, yeah. What I mean, I th- <laughs> yeah, the show we did um, NBA desktop was i mean it was like slightly bigger than a closet but it was basically a closet like that i mean the i we did it for no money i mean whatever our salaries were that's what we were doing the show for um we did it on our phones at first before we got cameras uh and the whole idea was to try to just capture the the energy of nba social media discourse which is Mm -hmm. like a, a weird world unto itself and try and like uh, talk about the league through that lens, through the lens mm-hmm. of the internet, basically. Yeah. So you started like that, but then you ended up winning an en- an Emmy. How yes. did that change? <laughs> like, I see it in the background. <laughs> it is back there. I, Wait, uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, prominent. Kenny as, had as well it should be. Yeah, Kenny had his in the background too, and we were all here for it. <laughs> I mean, you got other cool stuff in the background yeah, too. Like, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, a yeah. sword? <laughs> It is a sword. It's a prop sword. It's not a real sword. Okay. Oh, okay. it's a, it's a Game of Thrones. It's a Game of Thrones sword. Oh, um, yeah, that was really. Co- I mean, we didn't. You know, my line about it is, it's an honor just to win. But it was <laughs> like being nominated was pretty incredible in and of itself because it's like we were again we we're like doing the show in a closet. We didn't have a set. Yeah. Um, uh, the background was all just like stuff we cut out of magazines <laughs> or printed out. And we were up against, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, a, a, sh- a, di- a short that was produced for Major League Baseball for like the uh, postseason telecast, um, like uh, 
NBA on TNT, just like these huge wow. properties. So it was amazing to win. It didn't feel any different, but um, a friend of mine, Eric Eric Rideholm, who's the producer of like um, uh, Around the Horn and uh, a lot of the ESPN like conversation shows that uh, people are like probably broadly aware of. He was like so nice to uh, me and Jason Gallagher, who was the director of NBA Desktop and just telling us like what to expect. And he was like, it's so cool you guys won because now people will take you seriously, which is like the mm. thing that kind of like you don't feel any different. It didn't feel yeah. like, oh, we're made now. But at, like as you as you noted, like when you when people when you go on things like this or you go into rooms and people like read stuff about you, it it mm. they take you more seriously than they would have in the past. Mm-hmm. Which is great for me because I don't I didn't come from like a world where I expected to be doing this. What was that world? Yeah. What what did you expect to be doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to school for I went to music school. I wanted to do film scoring. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. That was like what my I was going to be like composing music for uh, for uh, commercials and for television and for film. That was like the idea. And and then also just like playing in bands and stuff. And it didn't work out because it's music school. And I was just kind of like doing regular, like I was waiting tables and stuff and like working as a cater waiter in New York and like doing a bunch of odd jobs. I was working at the ice, the Wallman ice skating rink that that is prominently owned by Donald Trump. Like I was just doing these, all these like wild um, catering gigs, like all over the city. Mm-hmm. And then my Twitter account took off. And wow. from that, I got writing gigs. And from that, I eventually ended up uh, being able to speak into mics for a living. Do you remember what that pivotal tweet was that uh, sort of made I your do. career? I do. I had it put on a mug. Oh, my can't God. Read. No. <laughs> yes, you did. Please read I had it, it put us. on a mug. OK, so this is I already written a few pieces for like Deadspin and the classical, which were now defunct like sports blogs. Um, so I had I had written longer than tweet length pieces at that point but so the tweet here is the tweet that is from uh, february 21st 2013 the tweet is this so this is uh, the uh, referencing daryl morey who is currently the uh, gm of the philadelphia 76ers and was at that time the gm of the houston rockets and he had just swung uh, a huge deal for james harden to join the houston rockets this mm-hmm. is the tweet Right now, Daryl Morey is in his office, door locked with a belt around his neck, furiously jacking off to the highlights of Harden's 46. So James Harden had just scored like had this is like his fourth game is like his fourth game as a member of the Rockets. And he was going he was like playing yeah. incredibly well. And so that was the tweet. And then shortly after that, I got a, I got like a DM from Chris Ryan, who's uh, was my editor at The Ringer. I was like, hey, man, do you want to like. You want to freelance and stuff or be able to pitch stuff to wow. Grantland, which was um, a website at the time uh, founded by Bill Simmons. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I did that. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going <laughs> to quit my job. <laughs> this is going to be I'm going to stop doing the waitering. I'm going to stop like I was also delivering leather. I'm like, I'm going to not be I'm going to I don't have to del- deliver leather anymore. That wasn't the case, but it was still extremely exciting and pivotal. Right. It felt great. Oh, hell yeah. I love that you have that on a mug. It's That's so, great. so like every morning you're just like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm that yeah. motherfucker. Hey, never forget. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know? That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. So then you started your podcast and, and then you were on The Ringer. And that's, right. that's 
that's huge, right? And so um, something that I really enjoy about your Twitter is and your social media is you're really vocal about politics, what's going on in the world, like even, you know, in sports and stuff too. Like, I feel like you don't really play it safe. And I personally love that shit because I'm a lot like that. I think we're all a lot yeah. like that on this team. Um, And, you know, I was wondering, I started thinking about it, like as an actor, I think about these things. So I was wondering for you as a, you know, a podcaster, like, did you ever feel like you couldn't really be yourself, especially in the beginning? You know, you're 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 a person of color, you're Filipino, yeah. and you know, it's it's a different thing. You're not a straight white man talking about sports like 90% of sports. <laughs> I think there was, you know, there were different periods in when my Twitter was getting more popular where I was like, where I did feel like, do I need to recalibrate this for the the type of people who are following me now. Like there would mm. be people that whose names right. I recognize. It's like, oh, yeah. and I'm not sure if I was in my own head about that. But like in terms of just like talking about issues, I I think surely partially because like I wasn't getting a job in like some kind of like front facing like content creator role was like not exactly what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I never had any compunctions about just like saying what I thought on mm. Twitter. Um, and then, you know, the last I, I want to say like even six years since Michael Brown, but like and then certainly the last four years, it just feels like you can't like, yeah, there's there's people who can very comfortably not say anything. And I never felt that way, mm. you know, yeah. like right. yeah. I just didn't feel that way. If there were yeah. things that seemed really fucked up, it felt like. I could at least say, even if I'm doing nothing else, I could say this is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you have the uh, you have like a, a big enough sort of reach to say these things that have major effect on the people that listen to to your product. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have a voice in which a lot of people don't have that voice. And I think that's where uh, there's a lot of similarity between all of us here. on on this chat right now and and i commend you for that i think it takes i mean obviously a lot of bravery to say things unfiltered the way that you say them but with that comes a lot of props that you get from people who are like oh my gosh thank you for wording it exactly how i was thinking it oh my gosh this has been exactly what i've been like trying to process in my brain and you like clarified that for me so like you're doing so much just being yourself your authentic self i really appreciate that that's very nice that's not i mean um Again, it's like I, I'm not it's just you see things that are messed up and it's hard to not be like, this is why is this happening? This is so right. uh, terrible. For sure. And we see like we also like I feel like as like, you know, people that watch sports. Yeah. You see like the NBA, like they're always like they're just always first at calling shit out and making a statement and walking out and, you know, kneel and like all those things where I'm like, people talk so much shit sometimes about like athletes. And it's like, they're the motherfuckers that they don't care. Like they, they're like, whatever it is, what it is. Like you want to watch me play? Well, you better, you know, respect. So my co-host on the podcast that we're launching next week on Crooked Media, uh, uh, March 16th, Tuesday, it will drop every Tuesday thereafter. My co-host Renee Montgomery was a WNBA player. Mm-hmm. two-time champion, currently co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, which is wild. But she, whoa, she whoa. forego, yeah, she, um, she didn't play her last season as a pro because she wanted to dedicate like all of her time to uh, fighting for social justice, to yeah. fighting for voting rights in Georgia. Like, 
the W, the players in the W have been about it since the founding because there's nowhere, like we just mentioned, like some people can comfortably remain silent. Like as a woman professional athlete, they really, and many of them women of color, there's just like nowhere to not be part of the conversation around like issues. And I think uh, specifically the W and, um, and the NBA, what is interesting to me you know, like, of course, I love the sport, but what is interesting to me in terms of like the conversation around these things, why the NBA players are always and the W uh, players are always like in these conversations is just like not a lot of places. Maybe maybe this is the only place where men and women of color with like real leverage and, and real and a real ability to have uh, platforms can use their leverage on the white guys who own everything, you know, like mm. normally. You know, we're just so separate, like economically in other phases of life, you know, like people that the uh, super rich white guys are not at all like affected by downturns in the economy, by the fact that people are sick. They have their you know, they can like get the best health care that money can buy. They don't have to. The stock market has been going up as people are like out of work. But the the place where they have to deal with those voices is like the W and the NBA. That's where they because they have no choice, because those are the people that are the product. LeBron James, Renee Montgomery, Candace Parker, they are the product. You Mm -hmm. have to deal with them. And that's what makes it really unique. Yeah, so eloquently put, especially with the idea of like, I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, sports, we shouldn't be putting uh, politics into sports. Like sports is an entertainment. It's what I consume. But there's a lot of privilege in that statement inherently. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And the way that you said it, Jason, was like perfect because these consumers that live a very privileged life have the benefit of putting themselves away, distancing themselves away from this political uprising that's happening. And the people that are participating in the sports in which they consume are affected by it on the daily. On the daily. On the daily. I mean, it's so it's it's so it always drives me crazy when people like, oh, let's let's keep politics out of sports. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, like you watch (laughs) any NFL game and they have members of every branch of the military come out before the game. Then they unfurl a a 200 foot American flag. Mm -hmm. Then fighter jets fly over Mm -hmm. the over the place. It's like that uh, to say keep politics out of it is to say keep this specific Mm -hmm. lens Mm -hmm. of what is important and valuable. Keep that from expanding to include anything else. If I could give you a standing ovation, I would. (laughs) That was beautiful. A 50-gun salute we give you. (laughs) But also, like, like athletes, um, they are also, like, they, they work more like selling, like, for brands. Like, and Mm -hmm. so it's also, like, another thing where, like, it comes into play where it's like, well, if you're, you know, so-and-so brand or restaurant or whatever fast food chain and you're fucking racist and homophobic or whatever, like, I'm LeBron James. I'm going to be like, no, fuck. I don't need to fuck it. Like, get me out. Like, cut. Like, drop me right now. Like, I'm leaving. And that's that's a that's also another thing that is like, you know, that's your money. And like, yeah, they I, I feel like a lot of athletes like they haven't been fucking with that either. Like, they're just like, it's fine. Like, I don't need that extra million or whatever. Like, I rather have my respect and my dignity. And like, that's more power to me. I, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, like as as a person in my in my personal life, I'm sure you y'all have gone through this too, where it's like, I'm at the point now and I have been for a while. It's like when I'm spending money, it's like, okay, is it Mm. possible to spend money in a meaningful, not harmful way? 
to get this thing that I either want or need? Like, is it possible to do that and trying to make those choices? Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Where do you go to find those? I know because we're all we're all like you just said, we're all in that like moral consumer yeah. mindset. Where do you go for your research? <laughs> I mean, I, I my friends on my group chat are mm-hmm. you know, I have a lot of friends that are involved in local L.A. politics, like ground yeah. game and stuff like that hmm. um, oh, and yeah. various yeah. progressive uh, progressive groups. So it's like I'll always be like, hey, is there a better thing? like when the Instacart anti-union stuff popped mm. up, right, recently. I was like, does anybody know, like, what a better, is there a better version of this that is not, like, openly trying to, like, exploit the workers who are supposedly, like, important to them? Like, how can yeah. I do that? I think we settled on Yum Yum. Yum Yum. Uh, oh, yeah. Yum Yum. Yum Yum. Um, love but, them. like, so I'll do that. Like, I'll <laughs> be like, okay, is there, does anybody know if there's a better way to do this? Uh, and I'll just poll the people I know. I mean, it's all about community, right? And just like that yeah. community consciousness, for sure. Yeah. 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 And so you brought up your podcast that's about to drop. I wanted you to, I guess, tell us and, you know, the listeners, like, uh, what's it going to be about? I know that there's a basketball in the picture, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, listen, I'm sold. I'm sold. There's a basketball. I'm in. And a WNBA player. And Jason. All right. Dale, I'm listening. <laughs> So it's uh, Renee and I, and it's a sports show like any other sports podcast that uh, that y- you would think of. We're going to talk about the games. We're going to talk about uh, where players are going. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about this uh, crazy dunk or goal that we saw. But okay. the difference being, um, you know, we're on Crooked Media, which is, a you know, obviously a progressive platform. And we are the yeah. people who we are also. So the thing that the t- the thing that makes it different is we're going to lean into the issues that mm. we think are are important to whatever we're talking about whether it be uh racial justice social justice um economic empowerment that kind of those kind of conversations where other places would like hold those conversations at arm's length only talk about them when they directly intersect with whatever right yeah. we we will dive into that we will lean into those topics i love that I'm not a sports mm-hmm. person in the least, but this angle that you're describing is fascinating to me. It's and new subscriber. Thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Follow wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. Hey. Yeah. And okay, all right. So um I do have some fan questions that I'll ask later. Sure. But I I was wondering now, you know, that you brought it up. So something controversial recently just happened mm. um, that has to do with also something that uh, I know Oscar is like um, into, which is Twitch. And ah, um, yeah, yeah, like yes. so my boyfriend, I watch like sometimes like Chris Merckx and like, yeah. uh, you know, like all those fucking like gamers because he watches them or whatever. Um, him and his brother. And um. We, I was w- seeing about someone from, unfortunately, my 305 team. Yes. Uh, Miami Leonard. Heat. Yes. Leonard. From former Leonard. former Blazer, former Blazer, current Heat, uh, backup, backup, backup. Backup. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is also like, also like, motherfucker, you were in Oregon. That place is also like weirdly like pretty woke as fuck, I think, in like the main part. Yes. Uh, I, I, there's pockets. Yeah, there's some like, slight pockets I, in there. Slight pockets and a, a strong history of white supremacy. I think mm, it was actually founded in order to keep, oh, yeah. in order to keep the uh, non-white people out. But yes, pockets certainly uh, pockets of very vocal wokedom uh, in mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah. 
So since that happened, he said a anti-Semitic word on Mm -hmm. Twitch live. I know that he was getting like hella hype. Like he, you know, apparently people were like really into him and even him and his wife, they do like basketball videos and shit like that. And I was like, oh, like I remember I saw a video of them once doing it. I was like, oh, like that's like, that's cute. Like that's so cute. Like they're like a basketball couple, whatever. I really didn't look into them. I don't, I didn't, I, I just didn't care. And then this dropped and I was like, oh, fuck this guy. So how is like, I know this obviously might be something you would be maybe touching on the podcast. Oh yeah, for sure. We would be. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, I mean, I'm, I feel like I already know how you feel about this, but. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's, for one, it's truly awful. I don't buy. So he apologized soon after, although it was a very crafted like PR, PR terrible. professional like yeah. uh, apology that was. I think the uh, the phrase that stuck out to me was, "I didn't know what it meant." Which, I guess, the immediate <laughs> follow up is, "What did you think it meant?" Yeah, you know, like, like yeah. if you're saying something, <laughs> that who wrote this em- for you? That was my that first emphatically instinct on a stream <laughs> that you know that you are on. What did you think you were saying? Okay, so like, let's so that was my first uh, reaction to that particular line. And then my second reaction to I didn't know what it meant is. You know, clearly that is meant to cover for the uh, possibility that someone will unearth another clip of Myers saying it again. That's that that reads to me like he said it a lot. He said it more than once. You know, yeah, and I think yeah. that um, you know, I had a lot of people be like, "Oh, come on, he's from I forget where he's from Iowa or something, a, a very like midwestern area." He's like, he yeah, he's like, he might not have known a lot of Jewish people and this and that. I'm like, well, number one, he's like almost thirty. He lives in fucking Miami. There's a bunch and, of Jewish people in Miami. It, 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 yeah, like, like there's a huge population. A few, yeah. yeah, and the owner of the Heat. <laughs> literally is, born in israel like yes, wow. yes, like yeah i'm sorry oh but like you know come on i it's it was truly terrible it was it was um there's just no absolutely no place for it and i think the thing that was really kind of like disturbing about it was just like how casual he was about it like straight up on a stream i'm gonna say this you know like he thought there's like a two second pause where he like chambers it where he's like, OK, what am I going to say? I'll say this, yeah. this yeah. word that I I don't know what it means. <laughs> like, come on. It, it's so wild how much like privilege that sounds like, too, because yeah. it's like even me, like as you know, like as a like a woman of color, a Latina, like I a lot of times I have to think about what I'm going to say because I don't want to offend the white person that I'm talking about. And I'm like, wait, why do I even. OK. And it's so wild to me that. A lot of people I talk to that, you know, are POC, like they're like, oh, yeah, me too. But yet yeah. you talk to like white people and they're like and it's not to like shit on all white people. Because we've been but... conditioned to think before we <laughs> yeah. speak. And a lot of so people <laughs> aren't that way at all. You know, I was actually curious about your uh, opinion about uh, dealing with someone like that, because, you know, there's there's yeah. tons of gamers who have said really inappropriate i mean first of all the gaming community is a very toxic community just inherently speaking as a gamer myself uh it's radioactive i mean it's straight up just straight up you will hear you will hear every slur you'll hear seriously seriously 50 times yeah Yeah. and then like what does it mean in to like the road of recovery the 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 act of forgiveness like how do we treat people like that like where does the line cross, you know? It's a great point. Like, I think about 
Tim Hardaway Sr. So Tim Hardaway, uh, heat legend, right? Heat legend, yeah. He, um, it must have been eight or ten years ago, said some really, made some really homophobic comments. Um, But then he legitimately put the work in, like, um, volunteering with LGBTQ groups, like, talking to people, to the point where he is now a, a, a really smart advocate for those issues like i let's see myers leonard um uh partner with with jewish groups let's see him go to the holocaust museum you know let's like let's understand that he put the work in like i'm not i'm i'm not one of the i don't think like he should be that i'll cancel his contract and let's cancel and let's get him out of here i i but i do think that you have to put the work in like you have to show people that you do understand why that is right. so hurtful, uh, painful, and you know, honestly, I think in the current climate, like really threatening, like to a lot of people, like to just hear. I don't, you know, again, like not to come at white people, but like I don't think that they, there's not like a common or a, a well understood feeling of what it it is like to feel constantly under threat by things that are just happening in the news around you that are being said by people like that's not a feeling that people in power really have and so i think trying to understand that feeling would be a a necessary component to any kind of forgiveness amazing yeah yeah hell yeah that yeah that's so true okay so before we go i do have some fan questions um i'm not gonna lie we got so i got so many questions asking me why did you leave the ringer (laughs) i don't (laughs) Like, it's so funny because I was like, my boyfriend told me that people were going to ask that shit. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so many. Like, there's like literally like 30. The same question. Like, so I'm not going to lie. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, they absolutely want to know. It's so funny because, like, it's like, I'm like, usually, like, it's, I don't even know. It's, it's about food stuff. I mean, like, listen, questions. it's a, it's a weird, it's weird that when Grantland folded or when it all went down, like, we got fired basically on Twitter. Oof. And my neighbor in my building knew about it was like, hey, sorry about that. And I was like, wait, what? So like the fact that people know and care about like what my job status is, is weird still to this day <laughs> that people are yeah. like, why did you leave your job? Oh, we got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another question that we have is what's the future of binge mode look like? You know, it's a long life. Life is long. I, Mallory is my my best friend basically we talk all the time um that i you know that would be that would be a question for the people who actually make decisions at various places Hmm. okay okay all right tweet you need to speak to the manager (laughs) yeah everybody tweet tweet and ask for the manager oh here's a here's a fan question uh speaking of binge mode uh because you get you guys talked about game of thrones harry potter book series and the star wars everything star wars right Okay, the fan is me. Yeah. What's your favorite Star Wars? <laughs> What's your favorite, favorite Star Wars film? Film? Oh, that's a great question. I- I'll go like super basic and say Empire Strikes Back, but then also Rogue One. Okay. Is, yes. Think, really. Great. All right. I love oh Rogue my God. One. Yes. Yes. I yes, love yes. Rogue One. 
I think Rogue One's really fascinating. Yep. This is where I, I slide off. I don't know. I don't know what to, to answer. I don't know. <laughs> the, any of those the, I movies. mean, the answer is Jason got it correct. He, okay. He, he, this, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mira, whatever what he said. And fine. Fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask one more fan question and then okay. I'll add my, my last one. Okay. This is random, but I don't know if it's specific. Why is Jason a coward and scared to go on Survivor? Did you talk about this? <laughs> yeah. It's so like, I went. I'm calling you out. My yeah. God. I was on. <laughs> I was on uh, Rob Sesternino, who has uh, who has a burgeoning like podcast network of his own. He was a former uh, two time Survivor contestant, and he has a podcast where he talks about various reality TV programs, most notably Big Brother and Survivor. And on that program, he was like, "You'd never be on it. I think they'd take you." And I'm like, "I don't know. I just feel like I don't think that I would do well." Because I think that the lack of food and heat and also like the bugs and stuff, like after a few days, I'd just be out. Yeah, I think I would just no. drown or something like that. I think <laughs> mentally I'm tough. Mentally, I'm very tough. But like, I think physically I would begin to waste away quite, quite quickly. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, I agree. I would literally like never. I'm, I was I was reading it. I was like, I'm only going to ask because I'm like, why did they even go there? But also like... <laughs> No, nobody <laughs> wants to be on Survivor. I prefer you can make money so many different there's ways. There's tons of people that want to be on Survivor. Yeah, Ew. there's a lot of, there's a lot of people. Ew. You give me a cucaracha, like just show me one cucaracha. And I, <laughs> I'm like, yo, I will fucking drive it in on some toss motherfucker playing basketball. But you show me one fucking cockroach and that's it. I'm done. Like I'm on top of the couch or table, like screaming. Absolute 100% same. <laughs> I saw a season where... There was a bug that went inside a contestant's ear. Yeah, in the Girl. ear, in her ear. Oh, yeah, and I was out. like, yeah, they had no, to have medical no, get sorry. it out. Ew, ew. I yeah. think they had to like put like I think if I recall correctly, what they had to do was like put like uh, Vaseline like over the ear, so the bug started to like suffocate and suffocate fall out. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh. And then when it came out, it was like covered in blood. I was like, no, oh. no, nah, not for oh, me. Oh my god, I literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've they've kind of like pulled back on the grossness in more recent seasons. But like if you go back like 10, you know, eight seasons there, there's like a lot of B-roll where it's like they're sleeping and they have the night vision on. And there's like a just a rat that just like runs over oh, them, uh, runs over their no. face. No, no, I literally no. vomited in my <laughs> mouth. I'm done. I'm no. going to go. Cry and then, so none this. of that seems enticing to you. Jason? No, that's kind of not- weird. Oh, weird. (laughs) And then, like, like, contestants who come off of it will be like, yeah, I had, like, I was on a three-week course of of medicine to get rid of the parasites I yeah, had from being yeah. on Survivor. I'm like, no, thank you. <gasps> like, I, I don't want that. And like nine extra years of fucking therapy. Jesus. Oh, oh my God. Um, well, okay, great answer. Fan of that big time, because no way. Yes. Um, and now here's my final question. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, we have so many badasses in the NBA. If you yeah. could pick your starting five of like now, like you can't like go back and pick like Jordan. You'd have to pick your starting five right now. Who are they? And you can say what position they're playing if you want. You don't have sure. to. <laughs> I'm going to go Steph Curry at the one. Okay. Um, I'm going to cheat here and have uh, Damian Lillard play the two guard. Okay. Uh, let's see. At the small forward, let's have uh, this. Let's have Kawhi Leonard at the at the <gasps> small forward. Yes, I love him. Uh, then let's have LeBron at the four. Okay. And Jokic. Well, Jokic? Joel. No, Joel. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid at the five. Over Joel Davis. Embiid, let's have Joel Embiid. Over Davis. Yeah. 
Davis is injured right now, and he doesn't yeah. like to play center that much. That's true. I'd... Oh, that's very nice of you, Jason, to think about yeah. that. That's something <laughs> he doesn't yes. want okay. it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I really do like this one. This is good. It's a hard one because, like I said, there's so it's many hard. people. I'm a fan of like the two teams, but then I'm also like a fan of like players. But I get in trouble yeah. anytime I mention Kawhi in my like boyfriend's house because the whole Clippers, <laughs> yes. Lakers, you know what I'm, you know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Um, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I bought a shirt of him on Urban Outfitters and it was on sale and I was like, it's cute and I'm not allowed to wear it there. Uh, <laughs> my my friend once was asking me, who doesn't live here, was like, does, he was like, do the Clippers like have a fan base? Like, who is the Clippers fan base? I'm like, oh the Clippers fan base is every a sitcom writer who moved to LA from somewhere else. Oh my gosh. Oh, God. Oh <laughs> Carl, Carl God. Cart loves. He stands the Clippers, our fellow. That's another friends. mug. Put that yeah. on a mug. Yeah. Yeah. That's like actually <laughs> true, though. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely sell that shit. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, yes, let's make this starting five happen. Uh, Jason, thank you so, so much for being on the pod. I love talking basketball and sports and, you know, all this wokeness that, you know, I'm so happy that you'll be able to like bring on to your, you know, sports podcast and everything going forward. Um, can you let everybody know where they can follow you on the socials and where they can listen to the pods? Yeah, find me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter is the easiest place at okay. network N-E-T-W-3-R-K. And then you go on my bio there and I have all the links to my uh, Instagram, Twitch account, etc. Awesome. I'm not messing with Facebook right now because yeah. I, I I'm taking uh, advantage of the privilege that I don't have to do it right now. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, so those are the places. And then uh, take line starting uh, March 16th and every Tuesday thereafter. Subscribe where you get your podcast and Ooh. hit us on the YouTube channel. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Mira, you're Tuesday like us. We drop on Tuesdays. Yeah. Then. Super I love cute. It. <laughs> um, awesome. And you guys can follow us at Spanish Aki Presents on IG, Spanish Aki on Twitter. You can follow me at Raisa Licea on Instagram, Twitter, all the things. You can follow me at Ozzymo, O-Z-Z-Y-M-O, on all the things. You can follow Carlos at, of course, is Carlos at IG and Twitter. You can follow me at MiamiHeat.com. Dot com. I got a dot com, honey. Okay, wow, the funds are Mira. real. Yes, I've got that earwolf money now. Ooh, <laughs> wait, wait, you have paid? Hold on, let me check. Oops. Uh, I'm at the Tony Roderick. Don't follow MiamiHeat.com. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And check out Spanish Aki Presents on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, the Sirius XM app, or wherever you're listening. Hey. Yay. Hey, Jason, Daddy. thank you so much for sitting with us. You were incredible. Holy cow. Uh, thank you for a, having me. Amazing. Such amazing. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Que viva el paseo, por favor. Eso. Gol! <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.